Well, years, good morning, everybody. <laughs> you guys are kind of alive and well this morning, aren't you? Um, years and years ago, when I began my ministry, it was in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Yay, go JMU. Grace is here with us today. Yay. Uh, and uh, I would go to work every morning. I'd go to my office, and I would spend one hour listening to Chuck Swindoll. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Chuck Swindoll. He's kind of an old guy now. But uh, I was driving down the road the other day, and he came on again, and he's still preaching. And I never earned a degree, but I spent one hour every morning listening to Chuck Swindoll, and he trained me. He was my mentor, and he made a huge difference in my life. And one of the things that he taught me as a young parent was what it says in Proverbs, where it says, train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and they won't depart from it. And that's so true. And he was speaking on this very same message when I was driving down listening to talk radio. I was driving somewhere. And he was talking about how he said, you know, I really wish that my parents, he was speaking on identity and purpose. And he said, I really wish, he said I had the most wonderful parents, but I wish they would have helped me at a young age learn to know who God created me to be and what my purpose was. Because oftentimes we just kind of train a child in the way that we think he or she should go. But if we really key into the personality that God has given that child and watch what they're, just watch them and, and observe them and not impose upon them, well, I want them to be a ball player or I want them to be a, a tiny dancer. Or, you, you see what I'm saying? Our tendency is to just kind of drift along and not really know exactly what we're doing. We don't as parents, and I needed uh, so much help, and we make so many mistakes, but this is what he was saying. Because most of us were not trained that way. We were not trained to discover who our identity in Christ is, what our purpose on this, in this life is. Yeah, we heard some scriptures that God has a plan and a purpose for us, but to take that little child's mind and, and to take our responsibility to kind of mold them into who God created them to be. So because we weren't trained in that way, most of us weren't. I, I wasn't. I mean, I had wonderful parents, but they didn't focus on my identity and my purpose. Most of us, because we weren't taught that way, we have to sort of deconstruct this kind of natural identity that we developed for ourselves and we have to say, okay, God, who did you create me to be? And what's your purpose for me? And you know what? In, this, in our key verse, it just spells it right out for us. Let's read this together. And now you have become living building stones for God's use in building his house. See? I am sending Christ to be the carefully chosen precious cornerstone of my church and I will never disappoint those who trust in him. Can you imagine never being disappointed? It's pretty amazing. But I believe that the most worthy and most privileged identity and purpose on the face of this earth is to be a living building stone in Christ's kingdom. He spells it right out for us that we would build our house, this house that he's given us, this temple that we are now, that, he, that it would be built on a cornerstone, a solid rock that would never crack. No matter what the storms in our life come, we're built on the solid rock 
And then we have been chosen to be the living building stones. I'm part of what God wants to use in this world to build his house. There is nothing more worthy and nothing more purposeful than that. And if you look at any construction site, you know, if you're going to restore stuff, something, if you're going to flip a house, like I love to watch Chip and Joanna Gaines, and they just flipped a house. And so what they have to do is deconstruct that old house, and then they rebuild it with new supplies. And so you'll see on that construction site, there'll be new shingles, there'll be new wood. And so just like with us, the cornerstone we're building on, we're the living building stone, and now we need some good supplies to build this house with. Well, last week, Buddy looked at holiness, and that's our age. Holiness, and he asked you, and he was sharing with me, because I was on my respite last weekend, um, is holiness possible? And clearly, he, he showed us how holiness is possible, because in the Bible it says, be holy as Christ is holy. Holiness is in our DNA because Christ is in us, and so it's possible. So holiness is a building supply that we need to build this house and to rebuild our identity. Now, if you missed that message, you can go to SalemFields.com, and you can watch it on the podcast. But today, we're going to look at another building supply that we can rebuild our identity in Christ, and that's an O. And for that O, we're using an open mind. Because in Romans, it says, now don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is the way that you can find God's will. People say, well, I don't know what God's will is in my life. Well, clearly it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, to discover any new truth, to discover God's will, and I don't think there's any of us here today that have all truth. I mean, we'll spend our whole lifetime and we won't have all truth. So God wants to reveal new truth to us and he wants us to know his will. And if that's gonna happen, we're gonna have to willingly open our mind to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, we've hung on to some false beliefs. Maybe there are some things that we've believed for a long time that are just off. You know, we learn them as a child. Uh, sometimes we're taught folklore. And we have to begin to sort through. And, and some of the things that we've believed and that we've lived by is not necessarily the truth. So we have to begin to, to deconstruct. And there are some childhood conclusions because what a child will do was they'll hear, they'll hear something and they'll draw some conclusions. And then we carry that with us all through our life. When I was a child, nobody ever, 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 ever said this to me, ever taught it to me. We were Mennonites. And I grew up believing only Mennonites would be in heaven. Then I got in the Nazarene church and I learned, no, 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 it'll only be Nazarenes. (laughs) And that wasn't true at all. Nobody ever taught that to me. It was a little childhood conclusion that I drew. And we do that and we pull those things into adulthood and we have to begin to have an open mind that maybe there are some things that I've believed that are just off. Buddy and I the other day on our day off, we were uh, just, let's watch a movie. So we love history movies and we watched Hitler and it was called Downfall. 
And boy, we started into this and it was history and it was okay, but in the middle of it, oh, you know what happened in his downfall? I mean, there were suicides and there, I was blown away at how minds had been, been manipulated to believe and to give their life to death to evil. It blew my mind. There were some people that were like, I don't know about this. And then there were other people that died because they had been manipulated in their mind. We have to open our mind and we have to look at those things in our lives that we may be pulling through and living by that aren't completely the truth of God. And God wants to reveal new truth and his will to our life. You know, I followed some wrong voices when I was very young. If you look back, you can probably see a trail of some voices that you probably should not have followed. Once I got into college, my freshman year, I had a friend that led me right down the party path. Now that wasn't her fault. I listened to the wrong voice. I followed. And that's what we do. We don't even have to know what we're doing, but we listen to some of the wrong voices. Well, Larry and Elmer were hunting and they got lost in the woods and Larry re reassured his friend. He said, now don't worry. Somebody told me before we came here that if we just stay put, we just stay where we are and we shoot in the air three times that someone will find us. And so they shot in the air three times and nobody came. Well, they waited a little bit and they shot in the air three times again and nobody came again. So they waited quite a while and, and Elmer said, boy, I sure hope it works this time because we only have three more arrows left. <laughs> you see, here, here's the thing. Larry and Elmer put their hope of surviving in what somebody else told them. The problem was it didn't pertain to arrows. And they put their whole survival into what this person told them. We can listen to the wrong voices. We can draw the wrong conclusions. We can pull some things and we can be living by those things that will lead us straight down to a dead end, to where we don't want to be. You see, renewing our mind means to freshen it up with new truth and to weed out those false beliefs. I'm writing a book right now. It's the hardest thing I have ever, ever done. And my writer is saying, we gotta stay on course here and you get stuck when you do this. But this book is about forgiveness and about how seven years ago, I had lived as a believer, forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and doing exactly what I thought the Lord wanted me to do. And then seven years ago, I learned what Jesus really meant by turn the other cheek. And a whole new truth came to me. And it has changed the course of my life forever. And that's what God wants to do for us, every single one of us. He wants to reveal new truth, but he cannot give you revelation if you don't have an open mind. So that's the H, holiness, the O, open mind. And um, what is hope? You can see it's, it's an acrostic here, an H and an O. What is hope anyway? Well, it's cherishing a desire with anticipation. It's wanting something to happen. And it's expecting it to happen with confidence. A man went to a little league baseball game and he asked the little boy in the dugout, he said, what's the score? And the little boy said, well, it's 18 to nothing. We're behind in the the man said, well, you must be discouraged. 
And the little boy said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even been up to bat yet. (laughs) Now, that little boy was an optimist, wasn't he? He believed in what could happen. His hope was in the possibility of what could happen. And that's the kind of hope that most of us as humans have. But it's counterfeit hope. Counterfeit hope is this. It's wishful thinking, it's blind optimism, and it's ambitious dreams. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, but it's not real hope. But it's all we tend to know. There was no way that that little boy could know for sure, 100%, with 100% confidence, that they were going to win that game. You see, with this kind of hope, when things don't work out the way we want it to, if they lost that game, that little boy was going to be disappointed. But the Bible clearly says that hope, real hope, does not disappoint. Without hope, we're cooked. We're just cooked. Now, in your small group material today, I want you to, to discuss our group meets today. The, the rest of you may meet this week, but... Here's a statement that I'd like you to discuss. There are no hopeless situations, only people with misplaced hope. Sure, we can hope in possibilities, but how do we know where to find real hope that won't eventually lead us to disappointment, to hopelessness? Well, in Romans it says, and hope doesn't disappoint. It doesn't disappoint. When God's love is poured into our hearts, it won't disappoint. And that's where the P in hope comes in. And I couldn't just do one P. It had to be two, so it's hope, okay? (laughs) And that's promises and perseverance. First, the promises of God. Did you know that God made 5,467 irrevocable, unchangeable promises to every single one of us? 5,400. And they can't be broken. Because in Titus it says, God who does not lie. Now all of us have had somebody in our life that has made a promise to us and has broken it. We know what that feels like. It feels like betrayal. And oftentimes it happens to children. You know, a parent will say, well, I'm going to come and pick you up, and they don't show up. It's a promise broken. We know what it feels like to have a promise broken. But here it clearly says, God, who does not lie, promised. And in Hebrews it says, faith is being sure of what we hope for. 100% of the time. And certain of what we can't see. See, hope is not seen with the eyes or strategized by our good plans. There's only one place that that kind of hope exists, the kind of hope that will never disappoint, and that's in God's promises. In his son, his son was his promise, and in his word, God can't lie. Look at this scripture, I love this. It says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all. See, God can't break his word. 
If he made that promise to us, he's gonna keep it 100% of the time. When he made those 5,467 promises to us, they, be, they were irrevocable, unchangeable, because he keeps his word. And I'm gonna run down through just a couple of promises. I can't do the 5,467, but I can give you a few. And I ask you, which promise are you living by? Which promise are you clinging to? And what promises do you need in your life? When I finished, I loved preparing for this message. I got to spend my whole week in God's word, researching and studying hope. I gotta tell you, it helped me so much. And what I came out of that with was, I've got a lot of promises I cling to, but there are a few that I need. There are a few things that I'm struggling with that I need a new promise, and that's where God and I are at right now in our relationship. But here's a few, and I'm gonna run through these pretty quick, so if you're taking notes, you'll have to write really fast. First of all, his promise of provision. You know, we teach tithing around here, and we tell you, we guarantee you, if you don't see, if when you put God first in your finances, if you don't see him bless you, we'll return your tithe. Because we know for sure that he will keep that promise to you that you put him first. He will provide every need that you have, food, shelter, and water. Those are the basic needs of every human being. And when we put him first, he'll provide that for you. I've seen it happen in my life, and most of you have seen that too. I love this scripture. It says, when I was young and now I'm old, I think this is me. And this is true. I can say this. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. That's a promise. You can take it to the bank. We have promises of protection. You know, last night my uh, buddy was online and my brother was there and I gave him a little message because my brother left me out in the middle of a lava field in Hawaii. And he just went on to get that hot lava on video and I just had to go back to the car and I was lost for miles and miles. All I could see was lava and I was scared. <laughs> But I stood there and I said, well, God, it's just me and you, Jesus. And so we're going to take off. And guess what? Do you think he protected me? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> he did. He did because I trusted in him. And I knew that whatever would happen in that lava field, that he was with me. He protects us. He, the Lord loves the just and he will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever. He gives us promises of his presence. You know, there are times my, the wound in my heart uh, was abandonment. When I was left overnight by my father when he died, it was just sudden and quick. He didn't say goodbye. And that gashed uh, a wound in my heart so deep that I struggled and I didn't even know it with abandonment for most of my life. And God is revealing that to me and I'm allowing him to heal that in me and it isn't healed completely quite yet. But here's a promise that I cling to because I know that when I feel lonely or when I feel cut out or when I feel like someone has rejected me, I know that my God is with me because it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't even have to fear evil. You know, Christians should be some of the most confident people on the face of the earth. When that song says, I will not be afraid, do you struggle with fear and anxiety? In reality, the promises say that we don't have to because he's with us. He protects us. 
He provides for us and he gives us security. It says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. So no matter what happens in your life, no matter what happens when the storms come and it looks so bleak and you think there is no way I'm going to get out of this hole, we have an anchor to hold on to. I took Gracie last night to see The Shack for the second time, and this is a movie that I'll probably see over and over and over again. And that's exactly what that man had. When the worst thing that could ha possibly happen in our lives happened, he came out of it with an anchor for his soul that no matter what storm came along, he would not be moved. And that's why we can have 100% confidence in the promises of God. You see, if we hope for these things, and we do, we want to be protected, we want to be provided for, we want security in our life, they're basic needs of all human beings, we can be sure, we can be certain that it will be fulfilled, even if it doesn't look like it. In fact, that's not faith at all, if we can see it working out. It's faith when we trust anyway even when things look bleak. But here's the thing. This is a relationship with God. You know, many times people come to church and they just want God to do it all, but the reality of it is it's a partnership. He does for us, and there's a requirement from us. And there's two requirements for these, their, these promises. One is that we obey him, we walk in his way, we choose to walk his way. The second one is perseverance, and that's the second P. In Thessalonians, it says, there's an endurance that is inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. An endurance to finish this race. You know, you've been to that point where you just want to give up, and you say, I, I've had it, I've had it, I, I can't take it anymore. We've all been to that point. But clearly, there is human endurance and there is divine endurance. And God says, I will give you endurance to finish this race and to see my promises through, even if it takes a lifetime. Even if you've been waiting 40 years, my promise will be kept and it will be true if you follow me and you don't give up. You see, when we place our hope in Jesus alone, and I gotta tell you, placing our hope in other things is seductive. Our mind does that. Putting our hope in things that we can see is seductive. And it takes practice on a daily basis. It takes a power beyond yours and mine. It takes more than willpower to, to put our confidence and our faith and our trust in Jesus alone. I can testify to that. But we have to choose to stay the course, to persevere, no matter how bleak things may look. Because when we stop short of putting our hope, if we put our hope in other things like our career, our possessions, our whatever, it cheats us out of the true identity that God has given to you and to me. It cheats us out of our purpose of being a living building stone that he wants to use. And I, and I get concerned that we, we as believers live so far below what God wants for us. We have to see it through. You see, we're cooked without real hope because 
Ultimately, when we choose those other things, it will lead us down a dead end like depression or anger or discouragement or hopeless. And you do know that suicide is the ultimate loss of hope. Hope has died. And so why live anymore? You see, endurance to run this race, this marathon of life well, to receive the prize that God has for for us, not just eternal life, but peace and joy and abundant life while we're here on earth. It's available to us divinely when we trust in his promises that we cannot see with our eyes. It makes no sense. But he will give us an endurance when we call on him to see it through and to persevere. Hope that seen is the scripture. Listen to this. Hope that seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now, are we putting our hope in our best laid plans and our strategy? I'm a pretty smart person. I can come up with things that are the best for people. <laughs> and I can let them know. <laughs> I, can, I, I, I can see it. But I can see it. And that's the problem. Because that's not putting my hope in Jesus Christ and what he's doing in the ways that I cannot see and trusting in him that he knows better and that all I have to do is stay the course and follow him. And when we listen to that voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, it will lead us into the greatest hope, the greatest promise ever given to mankind. And that's the E, eternal life. The knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Now, that's your identity. That's our identity in Christ. Rests on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of the time. Before we ever entered into this, he was taking care of it long before we ever got to this earth. There was a man from Maine, and he was telling friends of a little town called Flagstaff. Anybody ever heard of Flagstaff? You have? Wow. Well, it's all underwater now. (laughs) Yep, because uh, he was talking about how this little town was to be flooded as part of a large lake. Now, this happened behind my aunt and uncle's house there. They were building a dam, and they flooded the whole place. It was amazing, because at one time, we were playing there, and then the next time, it was completely underwater. Well, this little town of Flagstaff, uh, that's what was happening there. In the months before it was to be flooded, improvements and repairs in the whole town just stopped. I mean, why would you paint a house, right? if it's going to be underwater. Why would you do any repairs when the whole village was going to be wiped out? You see, with no hope for the future, week by week, this little town, the whole town became more and more and more downcast. The light of that little town began to go out. It went dark. And it died. You see, where there is no hope for the future, there is no power in the present. My concern is that's where we live 
too often as believers. Because the, what the world really needs to see is real hope. Real hope that you're struggling with things, that you're going through things, but you are determined. You have put your faith and trust in the promises of God. You've put your stake down, and you will not be moved. And you have hope, not something you can see, but hope in Jesus Christ. The hope we have for the future drastically alters the quality of our life today. And I have to ask you, as I struggle with this, this whole week, which direction is your life going? Because we're not static. We're not just standing in one place. We're either going one direction or we're going the other. You know, we can live with 40 days without food. We can live for 10 days without water. We can live for three to five minutes without air. But we will not survive without hope. Without real hope, we are cooked. And you've seen it in the people around you. You've felt it in those times when you wanted to give up. We were not meant just to survive. We were meant to thrive. We were meant to have hope. And we were given the greatest promise. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that anybody that believes in him, you're not going to die. You're going to have eternal life. That's a promise that every single one of us have that will allow us to persevere with a divine inspired endurance when we place our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. Preparing this message was so good for me, and I just suspect it's going to put a light on with someone here today. The Holy Spirit does that in our lives when our mind is open, when we seek holiness, when our mind is open, when we trust in the promises, and we persevere, and we know that we have a future because he's given us eternal life. Here's how we know if our hope is in the right place. When things aren't going our way, we determine to stay the course anyway. When life looks bleak, when you've lost hope and you say, I can't take it anymore, I just want to see your hands of anybody here because this is me. If you've ever heard in your mind that you said, I can't take it anymore, we, we've been there. And that's the time when it's so easy to lose hope. And we can't see what God's doing. He's not going to show us. He needs us to see if we're going to persevere, if we're going to stay there. And the true test of how we know our hope is in the right place is that we persevere anyway. We trust anyway. We know that he's working and we can't see it. But our trust and our faith is in Jesus Christ. And we can know for sure that he'll see us through. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing that. I've stood on this stage 
time after time reminding the broken it'll be all right but right now oh right now i just can't it's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down but what will i say when i'm held to the flame like i am right now i know you're able and i know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand but even if you don't my hope is you alone it only takes a little one to move a mountain what good thing a little faith is all I have right now. When God chooses to leave the mountains unmovable, give me the strength to be able to sing. It is well with my soul, and I know you're able, and I know you can. That's how we know where real hope is, that we persevere anyway, that we trust anyway, even when things look bleak.
even when things aren't going our way, I've got an anchor for my soul. And it's the prayer and the hope of Buddy and I that Salem Fielders would be people that live out the gospel of Jesus Christ and this kind of hope. The world needs to see this kind of hope. You're going through a tough time. You just lost someone in your life. Maybe you lost a job. You're going through a horrible time, but that's not the focus. The focus is that others hear you say, you know what, I've got a hope and I'm gonna hang on until however long it takes because I know my God is gonna come through me. That is real hope. And someone will come to you and they'll see that overflowing in your life and they'll say, what is it about you? I know you're going through a horrible time. And 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. But when you do it, do it with gentleness and respect so that when someone comes to you and says, I know you're going through a horrible time, but what is it that gives you hope in this? And you can say, well, I place my, I identify with Jesus Christ. I am a living building stone and he wants to use me to build his kingdom and I know that he will see me through. Can you imagine if we approached the world overflowing with that kind of hope and people would wonder so much that they would come to you. You don't have to go out and witness. Your overflowing hope is your witness. When we were in India and Manu is online, and I just love him and his family, and they would ask us to give a blessing to the people as we would leave, and there would be times that I would just, we'd be tired and I'd maybe mess it up or whatever, but I found a promise and a blessing for me and for you that I just want to pray over you, Manu, and your family and the people here, and it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for your promises. God, they have carried me through. I thank you for your presence here. Once again, you kept a promise to each one of us. You are here. Father, I thank you, thank you for the provision in our lives. God, I pray that we as people would be challenged to go deeper into the mystery of faith, to discover this kind of hope, this kind of real hope that overflows from those who place their trust and hope in you. God, go with us this week. Penetrate our hearts and our minds as we brew on your word and allow you to to give us new truth. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness to me and all that you've done here this weekend. Now, just before we close, everybody with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I just wanna ask you, if you are in a spot right now and you're losing hope and it just seems that everything is bleak, and you don't know where else to turn. You've tried everything you know to try. And you want this real hope. Would you just raise your hand so, just so I can see? Just so I can see. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray for you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. 
Father, I just lift everyone who raised their hands up to you, Father. Of course, everyone else, but especially those that have testified to being in a spot right now that's really, really difficult. All of us get there at some point or another, but I lift them up to you, Father. Would you continue to speak your truth to their hearts and their minds? God, would you renew their mind, transform their minds? God, thank you for how you've spoken to me this week how you've spoken through me. And God, I just pray as we leave this place that we will be a people that intentionally focuses on placing our hope in Jesus Christ and that we would overflow to a world that desperately needs to know real hope. Thank you, Father, for who you are and how you're rebuilding each one of us. We love you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all so much for just being so attentive. And my prayer for you is that God will continue to work in your life, that you'll meet in small groups and discuss this further. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time.